Yeah, so the idea is not how it begins, it's how it ends, and we're in this series called uh, Reloading Best Year Ever. We started it in January, and now we're in November, and the theme throughout the series is it's not too late, there's still time left. Because I know in November you can sort of rock back and say, I don't even remember what I said in January, or I don't want to remember what I said in January, or there's not enough time. And hear this, God brought you here today to say this, there's still time left. It's not too late. You can still have the best year ever. Now, if you uh, download the app, you uh, can go over this type of stuff from the first couple weeks, or if you were here, but I'm going to review it real quick. The first time we said the big idea was, uh, if I'm close to God at the end of the year, just that simple thing, if I'm close to God at the end of the year, it's going to be the best year ever. And, you know, it sort of evolved around these three questions. Do I have any conflicts I need to resolve? Do I have a clean slate with God? And do I need to obey the Lord? So if you get those right, right there at the end of the year, regardless of what's happened, the previous 10 months, you'll be close to God and you're well on your way. That's the foundation to having the best year ever. Now, week two, we said, if I'm spiritually healthy, so at the end of the year, regardless of what's come so far, if I'm spiritually healthy, and there was three questions again, am I angry? Do I need to change my thinking? Do I need to make a commitment? And remember when we looked at anger, there was a little um, diagram or picture that we put up. And in that picture, we said that, you know, anger doesn't just happen, there's a source of it. And so God walks us back, and again, you can grab the sermon off the app, but it walks us back, and it's either hurt or fear or frustration, some combination of that, and we're not alone as that occurs. And remember, the warning light was this, that even the strongest of us can't handle angry very long. At some point, if I allow my anger to just continue, it makes choices, and I uh, start to hurt people and hurt myself. Anger is a powerful, it's the habanero of the emotions. About a day and it starts to slip away from me. And now I'm making choices that hurt me and other people. So I've got to get it resolved. That's a big thing. Then the second was, do I need to change my thinking? Uh, this author here, Carol Leaf, wrote a book called Switch on Your Brain. She follows Christ. She's a Christ follower and a neurologist. I recommend all of her stuff if you like to read stuff. Here's something she says. Thoughts are real, physical things that occupy mental real estate. Isn't that awesome? Moment by moment, every day, you're changing the structure of your brain through your thinking. So one of the things we said is, do you need to change your thinking to be spiritually healthy? Remember, there was a little picture we used. We said there was an event, an interpretation, and a choice. Before I ever make a choice, I do some thinking. It's the middle section. I do some thinking. And the idea was, am I willing to run my thinking by God? Am I willing to ask God, what do you think of what I'm thinking? And as I run that by him, I can change my thinking on my way to being spiritually healthy. And then the last one we talked about is I need to make a commitment. And then uh, it, it just this simple statement. If you're taking notes, it might be good to write it down again. If you want to find out how committed God is to you, make a commitment. And then ask him to help you keep it. And you'll find out how committed he is. So those, that's where we started. We said, hey, if I'm close to God and I'm spiritually healthy... And now this is week three. Grab your notes. It's the big idea. Just write it down. Write in your notes if you've got the top sheet there. Am I focused on others? So at the end of the year, if I can say if I'm focused on others, and here's what someone wrote down and put in the Bible. Don't be interested, and circle that word, don't be interested only in your own life, but care about the lives of others. 
And this word interested means focused. And so I, I, I'm going to kind of try to break it down for you, like what it means to be focused or interested. And I've got an analogy for you. The first one is, is to be able to see clearly the people around me. So I have a little analogy. I brought three different photographs, and I, I want to show you these. Uh, here's the first photograph right here. And, and now that's actually a picture, but it's so out of focus, you can't see it. I mean, you might take a guess at it, but if you think about it, you could hardly even a million years try to see what that looks like. Now look at the second photograph. That's the exact same photograph. It's a little bit more focused, but still, if you were to try to take a guess, it's like, I can't see what that is. I'm not focused. Now, here's the third photograph. Look at that. That's actually a prophecy of the Pac-12 championship game right there. That's what that is right there. But anyways, you see how it looks? Now, so keep that in your mind to be focused. Okay, to be focused. That's one idea, to be able to see others clearly around me. Now, here's the other one. Uh, last week on Sunday, I helped my daughter put up uh, her Christmas lights. So I'm over at her house and I'm putting up the Christmas lights. She has one of those big, tall ladders that goes to the very top. It's the very highest part of the house on the uh, garage area. So I'm up there, and you know, you put up the Christmas lights, you string a little bit, you got to come down, move the ladder, string a little bit, and finally I'm like, ah, no way. And so I'm like, I'm just going to jump up on the roof. It'll be a lot easier. I'll just jump up on the roof. To which my daughter sort of looks at me like, Really? You think you should do that? You know, and I'm like, yeah, I could do that. You know? So I jump up on the roof, and I immediately realize two things. This is a lot steeper than I thought. I'm like at the very top of the pitch, and it was slippery. But I'm up there now in front of my daughter, and right on the man cart it says, never get down and get back on the ladder. So I'm like, all right, here we go. You know? And I said to myself, I need to stay focused. I mean, this is a long way up here. I can fall off this pretty easy. So the rest of the time, you know, as I'm stringing these lights around this house, I'm staying as focused as I can because of my situation. And that's the analogy of the word to be interested. Be able to see clearly the people around you and to stay focused on them. And if I can do that at the end of the year, if I'm close to God at the end of the year and I'm spiritually healthy, and I'm focused on the people around me. It doesn't matter what's happened. Remember now, it's not too late. That can still occur for me to have the best year ever. So let's look at three questions. We're going to do the same thing again this week. First question, do I give or do I take? Give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. A giving is an attitude, not just an action. It's a condition of my heart. And uh, Michael Jr. is a comedian. He's also someone that follows Jesus. He does this fantastic job of explaining how God showed him this in his life. And I want you to see this. It's about three minutes. And uh, check this out. So not long after that, I'm headlining down at the club, right? And I headline there on a regular basis now. A little while back, I'm doing a show there, and right before I got on stage, God changed my mindset about comedy. When a comedian gets on stage, he wants to get what? Laughs. That's 100% true. That's exactly what I was about. God changed my mindset and said, don't go up there to get laughs from people. Go up there to give them an opportunity to laugh. It changed everything. So I do my show. We have a great time. I leave. I'm outside, I'm talking to the people, they want autographs. Same thing every time I leave this club. But this time I look across the street and I saw a homeless guy. I had never seen a homeless guy outside this club before, ever. But that doesn't mean he wasn't there before. 
It just means that my mindset was to get laughter from people. So why would I even notice a homeless guy? Then I noticed him. I was like, yo, what about him? How could I give him an opportunity to laugh? And then God was like, you really want to know? And I was like, nope. Then I said, yes, you know, because I was getting on a plane the next day. Um, <laughs> I said, yes, and we went and did a comedy tour like no other tour before. First place we went to was Fort Worth, Texas. There's a place here called... There's a place called the Samaritan House. The Samaritan House takes care of people who are homeless and they have HIV. We went in there, we did a comedy show for them, and then after the show, this guy walks up to me. And he wants to talk to me. Now, the facilitator already told me that this guy, I think his name was, his name was Steve, he's, he doesn't talk to anybody, but he wants to talk to me. I'm like, why do you want to talk to me? <laughs> and he goes on to tell me that until that night, he hadn't laughed in over 20 years. And I'm telling you, I almost start crying. I was like, you better back up. We leave there, we go to Montrose, Colorado, a place called the Dolphin House. The Dolphin House takes care of children who are being abused by their parents who are on drugs. And this grandmother tells me the story of her grandson. And um, she tells me about uh, how, he, how he's being abused by his mom. And one of the things she's doing is she's pulling out his toenails. And, he, and then he ex she explains that uh, her grand the grandson is so afraid of his mom, everywhere he goes, he wears a Spider-Man costume. Everywhere he goes. I hear his story and I hear all these other kids' stories. And now they bring them all together and I got to do comedy for them. Only with God's strength was I able to get up on stage. So I get up there and I start doing comedy. Sitting right up front, Spider-Man, full costume. <laughs> I know his story and I got to do comedy. So I start doing comedy and an amazing thing happens when a room full of people start to laugh. You open up and reveal who you truly are. And I hear a voice come from this part of the room right here and the voice says, my name is Ronan. This little boy pulls off his mask and introduces himself to me. And he starts talking to me for like nine minutes, like I'm not doing a comedy show. <laughs> he talked about Spider-Man, talked about Batman. He said, Batman has a belt. And I was like, well, I got a belt too if you don't sit down somewhere, right? It's <laughs> exactly what happened. The whole room laughed. In fact, it was the biggest laugh of the night. Now listen, I can guarantee you it was not in my notes to do a joke about whooping kids. in a room full of abused kids. <laughs> but that was a joke that needed to be done. God knew, and the, the elephant had to leave the room. Yeah, I see you get what he's saying. He said it's an attitude, that it's not just an action, that it's the condition of my heart that gives. In the Bible, it says what you give will determine the amount that you give back. And that's why it can be kind of puzzling sometimes because you can feel like I'm giving a lot, I'm giving a lot, I'm giving a lot, I'm giving at my job, I'm giving with my family, I'm giving into my career, I'm, I'm giving a lot of money in my savings for my retirement, I got something going on in my rec recreation life, I'm giving, I'm giving. You know, why isn't it hitting the spot? Why isn't it filling me up? Because if I'm giving to get, it doesn't fill me up because it's not actually giving. I mean, I get a little bit, but it's gone pretty fast. The writer that uh, wrote this said that it's pressed down and it's uh, overflowing. And uh, uh, the very first time I thought of overflowing when I read that, I thought of Baskin Robbins. 
And when I go to Baskin Robbins, you know, there's two types of servers at Baskin Robbins. The first type of server, you know, you go in, you order your stuff, and they get the cone, and they get a, a scoop of ice cream, they put it on top of the cone, and they hand it to you. You know, and that's the kind of server they are. And, uh, but then there's a the kind of server I like. It's like they reach down in there, and they start smashing the ice cream down into the cone. And then they put a scoop of ice cream on the cone, I like it to look like there's no way it can stay on there and not fall off is the type of scoop I like. You know, there's such a big scoop on there, they just barely hand it to you. That's how God scoops ice cream. When your heart is to give. What it's saying is that you can have the best year ever. One adjustment. Adjust your heart to truly give and not take in all your actions. Now, number two, write this in your notes. Uh, do I receive or earn uh, whatever you do? Work it with all your heart as though you were working for the Lord and not for people. Remember that you will get your reward from the Lord. He will give you what you should receive. Now, um, something I've been trying to practice for a while when I talk to people is what they call open body. So, like, when I stand and talk to people, I... I try to uh, just sort of stand like this and just kind of be open body with them. And even right now, this is making my skin crawl. It's like I don't, like it's uncomfortable to be like this, you know, just like open body. And um, I'm more comfortable if I, you know, at least cross my arms. Or actually, I'm the most comfortable when I'm talking if I'm kind of like this, you know, when I'm you know, sideways and I have my arms crossed like this. I don't, this is where I feel the most comfortable because I don't want to be physically vulnerable. And I have discovered that my heart works the same way. I can protect my heart from being vulnerable. And one of the ways I do that is I want to feel like I earn everything. I want to feel like I've done my part. I've put the work in. If it's happening in my life, it's happening because I earned it. And I don't feel vulnerable in any way. And Jesus told a story, and someone overheard him tell it, and they wrote it down and put it in the Bible. And I'm just going to read it to you today. It's not going to come up on the screen. It's not in your notes. But I just want to read it to you today. It's not too long. This is, uh, this is Jesus talking. Uh, God's kingdom is like a man who owns some land. One morning, the man went out early to hire some people to work in his vineyard. He agreed to pay the workers one silver coin for working that day. Then he sent them into his vineyard to work. About nine o'clock, the man went to the marketplace and saw some other people standing there. They were doing nothing. So he said to them, if you go and work in my field, I'll pay you what your work is worth. So they went to work in the vineyard. The same thing happened at 12 and at 3. About five o'clock, the man went to the marketplace again. He saw some other people standing there. He asked them, why do you stand here all day doing nothing? They said, no one gave us a job. The man said to them, then go and work in my vineyard. At the end of the day, the owner of the field said to the boss of all the workers, call the workers and pay them all. Start by paying the last people I hired, then pay all of them, ending with the ones I hired first. So Jesus telling a story now, saying you can make a transition to receive from earning. And he's telling this story right here. The workers who were hired at five o'clock came to get their pay. Each one got one silver coin. Then the workers who were hired first came to get their pay. They thought they would be paid more than the others, but each one of them also received one silver coin. When they got their silver coin, they complained to the man who owned the land. 
They said, those people were hired last, and they worked only one hour, but you paid them the same as us, and we worked hard all day in the hot sun. But the man who owned the field said to one of them, friend, I'm being fair with you. You agreed to work for one silver coin, right? So take your pay and go. Then this, if I want to give the man who was hired last the same pay I gave you, don't I have the right to do what I want with what belongs to me? Why would you be jealous because I am generous? Jesus tells the story and he's making this distinction. It's like what it is to receive and what it is to earn. And, you know, the interesting thing about the story is they worked for the same owner. And how they saw the owner is what made them leave work that day with the attitude they left with. Imagine the group, they're in the car and they're like, man, can you believe that? I can't even believe that, man. I worked so hard all day long and he paid those guys the same amount I can. That guy, you know, rip me off, man. That isn't even fair. Do you know when you set yourself up to earn everything, you have expectations, you blame other people, and you compare? That's the way you have the worst year ever. <laughs> but can you imagine if they would have left, and it says they're filled with joy, can you imagine if they left that day and they went, man, can you believe the owner that we work for? I mean, man, how would you like to have been those guys? Stand there all day long and no one hires you and you're thinking, man, I'm, I'm going like to go home today and everybody's going to be disappointed and there's not going to be any money for anybody. We're not going to be able to buy any food tonight. Like he rolls in at the last minute and hires them. And did you see the look on their faces when they got a silver dollar? I am so glad I work for that guy. And there's the difference. When I earn everything because I don't want to be vulnerable. I compare myself, I have expectations. But if I understand that I have an owner who is my provider and he decides what's best for me and everyone else, at the end of the day, I'm like, man, I'm so glad I work for him. Best year ever. Now number three, and write this in your notes, uh, do I ask or do I tell? Jesus talking, you have never asked for anything in this way before, but ask in my name and you will receive. You'll have the fullest joy possible. Do you have anyone in your life that's always telling you what to do? We live in a culture that pressures us into this idea that we always have to have all the answers because the person that has all the answers, that's who the rest of us admire and look up to. So I want to have all of the answers too. And yet Jesus, who actually has all the answers, says there's a different way. Others. That oftentimes in my life, the answers will be found in others. I've discovered that so many times that I'm going through something that someone in my life has gone through before me and they have the answers or they know how to go through it and I don't. When I set myself up to be the teller, I have all the answers and I know how to do everything, I better have all the answers. <laughs> I better know how to do everything because the resource begins and ends with me. 
But what Jesus is saying, you've never asked this way before? Let's be real clear. In one sentence, this is what he's saying. Hear this. This is the Lord saying, you don't need to have all the answers because of others. God puts other people in our lives to be our provision. When I'm not always telling everybody, I can open and just ask people. So many times I've found they have the answers. They know how to do it. But if I'm always telling or taking the position of the teller, then it's all on me. Jesus says, look to others. And this includes God, too, because I can take the same position with him. I know the idea is, is that you know, I can treat people a certain way, and, and, and I can treat my relatives a certain way, and I can treat God a certain way, but the truth is whoever I am is wherever I go. And if I'm telling everyone, then I also tell God. It's not like I personally, to put myself out there, give God a lecture. I never do that, but here's how I tell him. I decide what's best for me. I decide what I want, and I decide how I'm going to get it. And I announce that to God and the universe and everybody else by not asking him, by not having an openness towards him and saying, he's the greatest other. (laughs) And that's what the Lord is saying. I'm always walking around telling people, because if I am, I'm going to always have to have the answers. I'm going to always have to know everything. I'm going to have to always have to know how to do everything. Or I can take the position to say, I'm asking. Here's three healthy words, but they're difficult to say. I need help. But man, it's awesome to be able to say it. Because God has put people in your life and in my life, and they're our provision. Now I'm going to read something to you, and it's in your notes. It's under the part that says, can you imagine knowing all things were more than winners? We owe it all to Christ who has loved us. I'm absolutely sure that not even death or life can separate us from God's love. Not even angels or demons, the present or the future, or any powers can separate us. Not even the highest places or the lowest or anything else in all creation can separate us. Nothing at all can ever separate us from God's love. That's because of what Christ Jesus, our Lord, has done. Best year ever. If I can end this year and say this, I'm close to God, I'm spiritually healthy, I'm focused on others. It's not too late. There's still plenty of time.